Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. And a very warm welcome to the Planning Podcast. Nigel Green here from the Echo Academy, and I'm with my podcast partner, Mr. David Kemp from DRK Planning. Hi, David. Hi, Nigel. Hi. Morning to you. Morning, everyone. Morning, morning. Yeah, very, very exciting um, uh, episode. This one we're we're on episode four of five. So uh, again, we're we're getting through you know the various subject matters, and this particular one is is an interesting title. It's a to discuss a planning game business. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it was episode one we talked about. We we kind of made up our own little term, didn't we? We called it the value staircase, and it was a it was an ex, uh, an experience I personally had with buying yeah. some land, and uh, it was going through that scenario of you know one acre a one acre, acre piece of land um, agricultural, let's say. You probably depending where you are in the country, but you'd probably be looking at a, uh, a price point of around say five to ten k, um, you know, for that sort of use class. But you know, if you then drilled that land and you you sowed it to meadow and then ultimately created a pony paddock, let's say, you'd probably be elevating the value of that land to probably 30, 35,000 pounds an acre, which is just quite kind of remarkable considering it's just planting some seeds and obviously mm-hmm. getting use class change there. But then, you know, taking it one stage further, if that now meadow was possibly attached to a a residential property, kind of backland, back extender garden, these sort of things. You, yeah. know, you could be looking at sixty-five to eighty thousand pounds an acre. You know, when you get to that sort of level. Yeah, I think the or re- if you had, a, or if it was agriculture, yeah, you kept it as agriculture. You didn't move it over to uh, a paddock, uh, and you put a barn or a couple of barns on there. Absolutely. And let's say there were no conditions on future use or withdrawal of PD rights on those barns. Then once they're up, then you might be able to use class Q. Um, once so they've been there for two years, yeah, um, or a couple of years. In fact, actually, there's no two year restriction on on class Q. So you know, once they're up, you yeah, can probably apply for. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And you know, the kind of money shot, I suppose, is you know, once you manage to get this thing called planning permission for residential on that same piece of land. You know, you yeah. can't talk, you know, I mean, we, we've experienced one acre plots of land that we bought anything between half a million and a million plus. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's the same piece of land. It's just got a piece of paper and a, and a uh, an approval to do something on it, which is just absolutely. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, the, the amazing thing about it, and this is the key with, um, with development is, because it's an imperfect market, there's the potential to make a lot of money out of it. If you know what you're doing, you know where to go to, you know who you're talking to, and those people know their beans. Uh, and by an imperfect market, I mean that there isn't perfect information amongst everybody. Um, some people don't know the planning system. They don't know uh, the finance market or the tax system. Uh, and and some people don't see the opportunities that other people see as well, or they'll get uh, scared off by doing things which are probably outside their comfort zone and it's not within their experience or within the partners, their yeah. JV partner's experience. So yeah. if you can take advantage of that, mm. then you can do that. But it does put much more emphasis on that old friend of ours, due diligence. It does. It does. Um, and um, you know, that can come up in different ways. It can come back. To bite you on your ass if you haven't done your due diligence, but it also, if you're, <clears throat> let's say, if you're in a um, an auction scenario, you're bidding on a property, you've seen the auction lots. Let's say it's a house which has got five, been divided into five flats. There's no planning permission for it. There's no certificate of lawfulness, and every single one of those five flats is under the national space standards. There might be a few people who go, mm, yeah, well, I'm not sure it's lawful, and I might be on the hook for enforcement later on. And then, you know, that might thin the herd out. Mm-hmm. But you might look through the auction pack, do your due diligence in the run up to the auction, get your architect or your, well, probably best your planning consultant to look over things. And they might be able to advise you, well, actually, given the inquiries we make, we think that we could actually make a case that all of these have been there for four years. Yeah. 
the agents have confirmed rent's been paid consistently over four years for for every single one of those flats. If as long as we get the evidence, we can um, yeah. we can get that through. That's not required any works. Coming so coming back to your point, it's the value staircase that's gener- generated not by doing actually any operational development. It's just by getting a piece of paper, which the day before it was probably worth maybe two hundred thousand pounds. Now it's worth one and a half million. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And you can see how a lot of people do very well if they know what they're doing. You know, yeah. that yeah. right, you know, that correct power team around them, the support, you know, the knowledge base there. It can be absolutely yeah. huge. And it impacts on strategies, like for instance, sir. Uh, an exchange with delayed completion, delay the completion on a commercial buy and long enough to be able to get the prior approval through, lifts the value. Yep. And then go back in for refinance and you can yeah. on the uh yeah. and then probably cover the whole purchase price off the off of refinance. Yeah. I love these sort of strategies as almost like a, a tandem to your main strategy potentially. Yeah. Could be a main strategy, but a tangible yeah. main. I mean, let's say, you know, we're building a buy-to-let portfolio. Yeah. At some point, you know, there is the buy, refurbish, refinance approach, but you, you're always probably leaving a little bit of money in. And if you do that enough times, you've kind of run out of money, haven't you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but if you had a this sort of strategy running alongside, it's, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to pinpoint the date you know, the money's going to arrive, but yeah, yeah. if you've got a, a bit of a pipeline there, you know, that's going to deliver chunks of cash along the journey and then can supplement and keep you going possibly on your main strategy. You yeah. know, yeah. Approach, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really effective. So may, maybe we just talk about just for a minute, um, the business opportunity. Yeah. This planning game business opportunity. Sure. I think I think initially, um, you know, there are fundamentals here. You know, we've, I think the four fundamentals are sourcing, securing, adding value and exit. Yeah. That's your, your business. So from a point of view of sourcing, you know, we've got to find those sites. So um, we've in, in the Equa Academy, you know, within the Equa Hub, we've got templates, which essentially is the search criteria. It's our search criteria, actually. So you, you can download that and you know see what we look at and kind of overtype into your own into your own bubble and your, your own requirements. But we call it search criteria. Some people call it a hunting license. But it what, what it essentially is is it's to get down in writing on one sheet of paper what you're looking for, and this can deal with um, geography, location. Uh, the type of thing you're looking for, is it, you know, are you looking for land? Are you looking for office buildings, maybe mixed use, these sort of things? Um, you know, maybe specifically you're you're not looking for anything in a particular flood zone. You know, you might you might just want to have access, you know, to the town within five to ten minutes walk. But it's, yeah. it's really important to get this down onto a a piece of paper to give if you like, your your counterparties, which will be people like agents, maybe a professional team, maybe, you know, you might be engaged on a direct mailing campaign to try and source mm. opportunities, direct calling. And, you know, in the past, I've just walked into buildings <laughs> and then asked to see the building owner or the manager and see if he'd be interested in selling. So, <clears throat> you know, whichever your approach is, I think it, it starts with that search criteria to just just get it down and then, and then start to, you know, socialise that with with your community and your your network. And once you take it out of here and you put it onto paper, it crystallises, doesn't it? There is there's sort of a magic that happens. Yeah. That all of a sudden, actually, you've given yourself some focus. Absolutely. And you need focus before you a go onto portals like Land Insight, Nimbus. There mm-hmm. are other, there are other brands available. Indeed. Um, uh, but. Um, because otherwise you'll have a you know a gunshot approach you'll waste a lot of time. And also when you're going to be speaking to commercial agents in particular, any agents, but especially commercial agents, because you and I know that they tend to be a different breed. Um I for my sins was a commercial agent many years ago, and that's sort of how I started out before I qualified into planning. Yep. Um so I know what some of these um, boys and girls are like and they have their own terminology. Mm-hmm. And in the background, they're trying to suss you out as well. 
Is this person worth dealing with? Mm. They're going to waste my time. Absolutely. They're going to complete on deals. Yeah. I might throw in a little bit of commercial jargon there just to see whether or not yes. um, you're a complete novice. Mm. Um, and if you're not focused and if you can't tell them within two minutes yeah. or even 60 seconds what you're looking for, yeah. then they probably won't waste your time, waste, waste their time on you. You're going to go to the bottom of the pile. So this is a really valuable exercise in terms of niching, you know, uh, focusing, honing in on what works for you and keep it within your own comfort zone as well. Keep it because, you know, it's uh, it can be a costly business if you ski off piste. Um, and, um, you know, if it's not in your comfort zone, then you might have JV partners and it might be within their comfort zone. Yep. They might be able to work with you and guide with you. And I know you and Mark do a lot of that as well mm-hmm. in terms of shepherding and, and guiding and mentoring people uh, who are maybe pushing the boundaries of what their comfort is, but they're ready to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and this this search criteria is very important to to keep that consistent message as well. So when you're talking to somebody, I mean, I've yep. actually got mine pinned to the wall behind me. You know, and and it's there. And therefore, if I'm talking to anybody, be it an agent, be it a member of the professional team, be be a planning professional, be whoever it may be, even a building, etc., I'm very consistent. And I don't necessarily read it. I just use the prompts and have that element of consistency all the way through. Yeah. Telling everybody the same message, you know, which is which is massively important. And you know, how how do you build those relationships? And it's tough. And you 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 picked up on that. You know, it's, it's a tough gig. You know, to try and go from a cold start to getting to know somebody and have that bond of trust between two parties. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, going back to the search criteria, one of the fundamentals of that criteria will be your search area. So when you've def- defined where it, it is, and I would urge everybody to kind of keep it small and then kind of grow from that point. Yeah. But, you know, whatever that search criteria is, there's a wonderful thing called Google, and you can kind of Google within and other search engines are available, but <laughs> you can Google within that search area to get agents yeah. and, and um, you know parties that can assist you in in serving you in the type of property you're looking for so that that's right kind of the next step for me it's all about problem solving isn't it in different ways and you've got to put in some work and you're going to end up asking questions on things which either you may never have come across life's full of surprises especially with property development absolutely um so you kind of you got to expect the unexpected but um you're absolutely right and you know, we've touched upon it at this stage with the sourcing, but it's a common thread that I want our listeners to be aware of when we talk through all the further stages as well. Um, and something we discussed offline was is um, relationships. Yep. As we're not just relationships in terms of talking to agents, if you're going direct to vendor and building up those relationships as well, but also relationships with the planners, yep. relationships with the planning department or building up relationships at the local level. Some of the work that we do in trying to suss out an opportunity before clients will commit to a deal, um, because it can be difficult to go through the formal pre-app processes, it takes too long, um, is if it's something that's relatively contentious or we think there might be the possibility of public support at a local level, get in touch with local councillors. Um, probably nothing more than that, uh, you know, local stakeholders, but building up those rela- those local relationships, asking them the question. I know you often ask the question, what does a good deal look like to you? You can ask the same, almost a similar question to, to these people. Absolutely. You know, what do you want to see in your area? We're yeah. thinking of bringing forward this. Does it hit the right notes for you? We're in listening mode. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everybody's forging together, you know, in the right direction, aren't they? That's, yeah. that's the main thing. And yeah. You know, but the, these relationships, it, it's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. it. It's difficult to, you know, forge those relationships, those bonds of trust, as I say. And um, But it starts with once you've, you know, you've established your list of everybody in your search area that can support and serve you over the mm-hmm. um, it kind of starts with the first one. Okay. Yeah. Top of yeah. the list, make the phone call. You know, you've got your search criteria in front of you, maybe pinned to your wall, and have a conversation. It's it's a conversation between hu- two human beings, and it should be kept to that. 
And it's just talking about, you know, what you're looking to do as an individual, um, you know, whether you're growing your portfolio, whether you're, you know, you've kind of switched up your strategy. So instead mm-hmm. of one at a time, you're looking to do more of a, let's say, commercial conversion. So you're doing, you know, multiple units at one time from a scale yeah. economy perspective, these sort of things. You know, and just have a frank and open conversation with, with somebody. And you, you're going down the list all the way to the bottom, you know, and, and that's probably the, the the toughest call, I would say, that is the first cold call that you're going to have with those agents. But then pick them up on in two weeks' time. Have another yeah. conversation, you know. Yeah. Leave the fancy a coffee, you know. God knows the amount of coffees I've had over the years, but it's been <laughs> yeah. too many. And I had one this morning. I've got a buzzing at the moment. But, yeah, but, um, you know, have the coffees. Even, you know, go to a viewing, you know, meet them at a viewing. Because yeah. I find a viewing is a very disarming location, okay? So it's who's selling to who. Well, it's, that's debatable, I suppose. But, you know, it's it's all about the property. But you eventually get into, you know, have you travelled far with the family, weekends, weather, and Oxford? and and those sorts of things yeah it makes a difference seeing a face as well um and being in person with people as well but you touched on it a moment there as well um following up and persistence Mm. persistence is is key that's kind of almost our second golden thread so we touched on relationships but we also you'll see through the flow of this discussion the um the issue of persistence Persistence is important in terms of deals. It's, I mean, so me- we, we've been speaking about this for a few weeks now, haven't we? About how many deals actually get done maybe months after you bid on it. You may not have been successful, gone to another party, you track it, it's fallen out of bed. I mean, I've been having these similar conversations recently with some really, you know, very high level, very experienced developers such as yourselves as well who have been around in and out of these recessions that we've had for, for years. And it's a it's a very difficult market, building costs and the difference between building costs and GDVs yeah. and trying to make deals stack. Yeah. And it's about not overstretching yourself. And it may be that somebody else is buying with cash and the finances work out differently for them. Mm. But a lot of people are just desperate to do a deal. Mm. Mm. But you keep on with that persistence and you keep on following up. It's really important, but also when it goes into planning. Um, and we as architects, we as planning consultants pride ourselves on this. Um, I don't see it quite so much with the architects who act as planning agents because the architects tend to be a bit more focused on the end product yeah. rather than the planning process. Yeah. So when your application is gone and it's a bit like climbing a mountain, you're only ever at the top. And most of the accidents happen on the way down. Um, so, you know, you've got to keep on mm. pressing on with the, with the planning officers and you've got that need for persistence there as well. So, you know, persistence, both in terms of relationships outside of planning in the deal, but also in planning whilst you're trying to get it through the regulatory processes is, is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very much so. And, you know, that, so it's, it's kind of the call is about relationships maintain maintenance of those relationships and mm. keep going and you know we we help a lot of people in the academy you know to you know to success and achieving their wildest dreams and you know from time to time you know the the chin drops and you know I'm, I'm, the, the pipeline's drying up and the obvious question is have you maintained your connections and generally it's I've let them dwindle you know yeah to keep those connections and you know those relationships going and you you have a system for this don't you i think don't you 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 actually systemize it and you die and you diarize things absolutely which you personally or mark or others in the team will follow up on yeah yeah very much so yeah it's it's very much it's a i mean i can i remember back eight nine years ago when we left the corporate world and and came into our our retirement world which lasted about three weeks and uh, <laughs> yeah. out of boredom or yeah, yeah it was absolutely. okay yeah, yeah absolutely and we four of us having left the corporate world we we kind of had a um uh, a pledge to each other that if, if we found anything that was slightly bigger yeah more, you know we could c- pull together our resources and do something a bit bigger we'd do it and we yeah 
formed a company called Equigroup and and it was probably going to sit on the shelf for a while and every now and again it would pop out the the woodwork. Yeah. But as I say, that lasted three weeks. So Yeah. <laughs> the, the rest is history really. But what happened to Equigroup in the end? No money kidding. <laughs> still thriving. It's, it's still going. Yeah, very much. Yeah. How's your retirement then? Did yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not quite as planned. No. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, you know, do do keep those regular contacts. And as I say, when when we started way back when, I think our our list, if I recall, our, our list of people that would serve us, and our area yeah. was probably quite quite large, I suppose, a couple of, couple of home counties at the time. Yeah. It was quite a long list, um, you know, maintenance of that. And we, we're still in contact with the majority of those people even today, you know. Yeah. But of the people that actually serve us in, in terms of deals, it's probably quite a small proportion yeah. of the overall, you know, there's some people we've, We've got a great relationship with, but never actually done a deal with them. Yeah. You know, things have come across the desk, you know, absolutely, but they just haven't worked or we yeah. can't reach a, a deal or these sort of yeah. things. But even so, you know, when you uh, – people's situations change and their circumstances change, their businesses might change as well. Yes. They may not have been looking in X direction before they're only looking in Y or Z, but now they're looking in X as well. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've found as well because, as you know, that, you know, we're – getting involved as a practice in development on a joint venture basis as well. Um, uh, we've got a, a couple of things bubbling away. We've just had an offer accepted on a site with a JV partner. I'm not going to say anything else about it at the moment, but um, but um, uh, I'm finding that, you know, for instance, some of my clients are in the um, building contractor trade. Mm. So that conversation with them traditionally over the last few months or few years even has been very much focused on providing service as a consultant. Now it's about making that time to delve deeper into those relationships and say, this is what we're doing now. What are you doing now? Can we help each other? And because if, unless you open up that conversation and take the time to sit down with people, you don't necessarily create the opportunity for these, op these other opportunities to bubble to the surface. Um, and it could either be, a genuine opportunity to work together on a site that they might have, you might have put the two together, or there may not necessarily be a, a, an opportunity now, but, you know, I had a conversation with somebody on Sunday about a strategy an exit that they're looking at that um, sounded fantastic. You know, he, he gave me an insight into the numbers and I thought, Oh God, I never thought about that. And I'm actually now looking at it on the site that we've, um, have yeah. the offer accepted on as well. So, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's, it's spot on there about those conversations. Yeah. So regular, regular contact, build relationships for the long term. Uh, yeah, totally. For many, many years to come. Yeah, so yeah. The message to all the listeners. I mean, you know, we, we're specifically talking about planning gain here. Um, mm. I'd urge everybody to, to have a planning review. So if you find something that you're really interested in, you can see the potential, you know, mm. I, I would certainly, you know, run that by your, your professional team mm. um, and just explore the art of the possible and see, see if there is a possibility or a probability, you know, securing the permission that you're looking for, mm. yeah. or you possibly go any further. Cause I suppose what is at risk, notwithstanding, you know, your, the enthusiasm of doing the deal and getting a yes, um, what is at, at stake here is obviously you're going to have to put some money in to seek that planning permission that you're looking for. So yep. that's, that's kind of a risk. I know, I know it's a, it's, it can be a lower risk entity at this stage, but nonetheless, it is still money. And therefore, you know, none of us want to squander money. Um, yep. Just to have that little bit of DD beforehand while you can, you're, you're constructing your offer letter to hopefully secure the opportunity. Yeah. You have to speculate to accumulate. Though. You certainly do. You certainly mm. do. Mm. So yeah. I think that comes on to kind of securing and controlling the opportunity as well. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's a couple of ways we can do that. Um, you know, there's a thing called an option agreement. So we could secure an option on, on the land, on the building, this sort of thing, just to give you that security, peace of mind, I suppose. You, you are going to be spending money, you see, and you want to make sure that, you know, 
uh, with total respect to the owner, they're not going to disappear off and sell it to somebody else while you're spending your hard-earned cash. So you want some sort of security around that. An option agreement is one way you can... You I think it's a good way as well because you can register an yeah, option. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't remember if it's registered as a caution or a notice, but it, it appears on the title um, yeah. and when it ever does appear on the title because, of course, there's so many delays with HF, with um, land registry at the moment. But it basically means that if if they then try to go behind your back or somebody goes behind your back to try to do a deal, that they take subject to notice of your um, of your option. Yeah. Um, uh, and therefore, you're not completely out of the picture and you'd be able to... Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what you'd be able to do. Pretty much resist the deal i think go from going through yeah potentially yeah potentially yeah. just a legal matter really yeah but yeah, yeah you're, you're right so I, th- I think an option is a good one and um, we've used that many many times over the years um there is an alternative route um which is you know kind of do it more traditionally um where you use lockouts so um we we have done in the past um the the challenge is agreeing them and, mm. and I suppose the challenge is understanding very clearly the power of them as well, mm. Mm. Um, which you speak to a few people and they say they're not worth the paper they're written on. But, you know, I suppose it depends what the words are in that agreement and and uh, obviously the, the parties that are engaged in that agreement. But And, and also, I suppose, a, a lockout could expire as well during the course of that transaction that you're trying to... So, so with your options, Nigel, would mm. you include a lockout and agreement to take it off the market, withdraw it from advertising, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. If it was on the market in the first place. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Sure. It would be it would be part of the offer. So it would all be wrapped up in the, Abs- in the options. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely right. And, you know, um, so that, so an option agreement would take us so far. So let, let's say we've now got planning permission. Sorry. we Yeah, we've now got the, the planning uh, through. Uh, there'll be certain things around our ability to get planning as well. We might need a bit of consent here or there. Yeah, yeah. And owner these sort of things, but that would all be registered within the option agreement. So it's very clear to all parties. So, so yeah. So I think um, that's that's something you know that you can do for sure. But just be just be mindful as well that, that there's an option process. So that that gives you that security of the money you're spending and avoids, as I say, that that vendor yep. somewhere else, that building owner and selling it to somebody else. But you've still got to go through the conveyancing process. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because you could have the situation where, you know, you've gone gung-ho into the the option, you've you've sought planning, you've you've achieved exactly what you want to achieve, but then you've got to start the conveyancing process and you've got to start looking at you know, reports on title and all the searches, and there could be something in there. Yeah, actually, that bubbles to the surface through investigation and means that you can't actually, or you don't want to progress with the site. Mm. So it, it's quite a fine line of what's best to go with. Is it best to go with a traditional transaction, maybe subject to planning? Yeah, are you you're you're actually addressing all those transactional inquiries um, all the way up to the you know, the ability to exchange, and then there's a condition in that exchange that is all around planning, seeking planning permission, so you're kind of halfway there. Or is an option the way you want to go forward? But what do you do with all that search criteria? Because that's got to come at some point. So, so there's a few a few things. Um, I, we've, we've used both. Um, I think it's down to the personal preference of how you want to. Mm, mm. But the, the bottom line is you've got... You know, you've got to go through those transactional matters. You've got to do those searches. You've got yeah. to be comfortable with them. I, I I tend to feel that most deals that have fallen out of bed for us have been in the detail that we weren't aware of until that legal process had gone through and it had kind of bubbled to the surface and we couldn't either agree it, you know, with the vendor or find a way to overcome it. So, you know, that's just something for the listeners to to consider, I think. But but in terms of, you know, from a planning point of view, you know, do do get, you know, I'd recommend get your planning consultant to to have a look over your um your target property and uh, just to have a view on, on you know the art of the possible around that particular. Yeah, I mean we we do tend to get asked these questions quite early on. 
and uh, when we, we looked at a couple of the sites together um then you know you got in touch with me could you have a, a quick look at this quick quick view okay. they'll always usually be about uh there'll be one or two things where you don't have the information you couldn't possibly have the information until you start digging further and be the same with the solicitors um never matter how experienced your consultant or your solicitor is there'll be certain things that until they start bur- burrowing away with the paperwork mm. um and you're fully embedded into a project you just won't know from our point of view about 80 percent of the value is probably related to the principle of the change of use in the first place whether or not that's for a few through a full planning permission or prior approval um either change of use or the the operational development so we should be able to give you a good steer on whether or not it's i probably i probably um, call it a worth a punt test you know is it (laughs) Nice. You know, is it worth a punt? Yes, definitely. It's very difficult to put it any higher than that, but yeah. sometimes it's, it's, it's down to that. Yeah. But you're absolutely spot on about the peripheral matters that can also bring down a deal. Mm-hmm. And it's important for the listeners not to lose sight of the fact that they don't necessarily know need to know what those peripheral matters are because they're going to be different from case to case. But I think the takeaway here is there can be. Um, and even though you might ask your planning consultant, is it possible to get an extra floor on there? Um, would it necessarily work enough for other respects? Because that extra floor might be something that you couldn't achieve either because the the structure of the building is too weak. It couldn't be reinforced. It couldn't be done in a, in a sensible way. Um, or if you were to reinforce the building, um, you'd end up, causing such disturbance to existing occupiers below that um, it would end, you wouldn't be able to do so through the current lease structure. Absolutely. Or um, you need extra parking, but um, let's say, for instance, a mansion block, for example, and all the tenants have their parking spaces and they also have a right to object to those spaces being changed or whatever. And also building regulations. Mm. So, for instance, building regulations. So you need a fire strategy in relation to um, development, uh, that's changes of use or extra floors above 18 metres. But that actually doesn't sit in alignment with building regulations, which I think is at 11 metres. So, you know, that could be a couple of floors lower. Absolutely. Uh, so that comes in quite quite a low level when you start to have to think about putting in sprinkler systems and things like that. And it's yeah. not entirely clear whether or not if you put an extra floor up, do you then have to re- retrofit sprinkler systems to the existing property as well? Yeah. Now, that might be okay if you're under, un, undertaking a change of use at the same time, or you can thread the services through only part of the building and you don't have to you know, disturb everybody, but it becomes even more difficult. So the, the, all these sorts of issues and you you know you it, it's um there's a lot to think about there certainly is there certainly is and I, I think one of the four fundamentals that we mentioned for a, a you know planning game business is that is that exit and it's understanding when you want to exit. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah so there's there's a, a, a thing called assignability okay yeah. assignability clause okay something that your solicitor can help yeah. with now, whether that's embedded into the option agreement or it's embedded into the the contract that you've just exchanged on, yeah. uh, an assignability gives you the ability to allow somebody else to step into your shoes. Yeah. And I think that's really important because if that's not there, there may not be a possibility for you to get out of what you're actually transacting on. And you may have to complete on the deal and then sell it on, you know, which is highly inefficient and you've got to raise the capital from somewhere and, and do all these sorts of things. So assignability clause, everybody, that's really, really important and do speak to yeah. I think to hand in hand from a developer's point of view, assignability um, is to a certain extent really does depend upon there being um, options for exit yep. um, in terms of strategy. Yep. And a lot of people, I see a lot of SMEs not necessarily looking at, well, what's the simplest thing that we could do with a building, even if it's just a refurb or light extension, or maybe just a ground floor extension, et cetera, um, that would, it would, 
add value, but we could still get out, somebody would be prepared to take it on. So everything, let's say it all goes peaked on, and we're in a situation where we can't do the sexy change of use and all the extensions in the world, but we have to get out quick. Or somebody wants to see the deal in a light, accessible way, and we want to be able to sell it on. It might not be as sexy, but um, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. And if your building costs are a lot less, because you're not doing so much to the building, you don't necessarily need to turn so much extra value and gain yeah. into it. You'll find it from somewhere, yeah. and it might be a, a question of better finishes or you know, mostly more on the refurb side, mm. not so much requiring planning. Yeah. But worth looking at it in any event. When you know, you're speaking to your investors and managing their expectations right from the start, your investor decks, they should always include, I think, always include at least three angles with a sensitivity analysis around them. PD or prior approval, where there is possibility, or at least let your investors know that you've looked at it. Yeah. Uh, a development angle. Um, and the um, the nuclear option, if it all goes peak tongue and okay. uh, you need to get out, you know, what can we do with the existing building? Or if, what happens if this becomes an investment play from a development play. Yeah. For instance, if it's a commercial angle, so we can't get change of use out of commercial, how does it work on a yield basis with commercial and how long would we need to stay in a deal for everybody to get the money back out, et cetera? Absolutely. So a lot of people don't look at that. But if you looked at that, you not only manage your investors' expectations, but also if you then need to assign the deal on, the next person on can see the value in the deal as well. Absolutely right. 100%. 100%. So I, I guess the, ne the next um, milestone in the process is seat planning approval. <laughs> yes. So, you know, whether that's via full planning or it's PD or, but, you know, be aware there is going to be a cash requirement, you know, yeah. understand there is going to be cash you're going to need to put into that. And that's the, you know, that's the seat capital that you need to put yeah. in. That's the speculation yeah. to achieve hopefully what is going to be a, potentially a life-changing result as a result of receiving a piece of paper on a plot of land, let's say. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so many things to do here, isn't there? But we, I think we also need to be finding that buyer. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we are a planning game business, it's all about, you know, secure, you know, we're going to get planning and we're going to exit. So, you know, have a parallel activity to find that buyer, you know, and it could be via a, a you know, commercial agent, it could be direct, um, even via developer, have we bought sites off developers? Absolutely. You know, developers, depending where they are on their journey, sometimes they'll, they'll take it so far. Sometimes they're absolutely exhausted with the planning process. <laughs> Just want to, you know, yeah. and, and in that period, they've moved on to bigger and better things anyway, you know, so yeah. you can come along and, and take the opportunity that's already got that, um, planning ticket on it. You know, using the network, your professional team, your your professional team, David. You you know, you're working for contractors, you're working for developers, you're working for end users. Yeah, yeah. Or every day of the week, aren't you? And and from time to time, things will pop up, or conversations will be had, or comments will be made about. I, I wish I could move this on. You know, these yeah. sort of things. So they do come up. So keep keep connected with your professional team. Um, you could go as far as social media as well. We kind of the call in all developers type approach as well. And just, um, you know, get some inquiries in of people that are looking for new sites and maybe mm -hmm. site that you're looking to exit anyway. Yeah. It might be a nice fit for them to take on and, and move into their, you know, their portfolio. So I think, I think that's, um, that's important. So, so once you've got a list of people that are now interested in this site, and it, and as I say, it can be subject to planning. You know, you're you're progressing a planning process that will come to an ultimate end. The objective of the exercise is to gain planning for X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, people can get interested in that end story, and if they're interested, I would I would then urge that you you produce some development details, some sales particulars you know, what it's going to be. And the good news is by by the nature of the planning application, you're you're producing drawings, you're producing surveys, information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, nice documents that you can utilise. CGIs, montages, that sort of thing Absolutely. as well, add to the marketing. 
to attract yeah. people in during this period while you're waiting for the ultimate decision. Yeah. Which, which yeah. is great. I, w- I wouldn't kind of wait to the end and then start it. I would almost be running this as a parallel activity as early as you like, really. You know, that's that would be certainly my recommendation. Um, yeah. So, you you know, in terms of those those details, um, they could be self-produced. Um, or you could, if you engage a commercial agent, if that was your choice, um, they would probably produce it for you. Um, mm. They'd mm. want some data. They want some information, some nice pictures, et cetera, mm. but mm. they could produce that for you or you could paddle, um, paddle your own canoe, whichever the yeah, yeah, may be. So I think getting to, to the end of the process, you know, we've got the sales transaction there. Um you know, which um, which is great, really. You know, it, in some cases, it means you've you've never bought the site; you've just liberated it by adding that that planning permission piece of paper on, and sold it for a handsome return onto, hmm. onto a third party, who will then just move on and get it developed or whatever they do with it. Yeah, sure. And then you're kind of moving on to your next deal, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. See how this, you know, this opportunity. If you were completing on a, you know, a planning gain um scheme every month you know how that could be potentially life-changing yeah or or very very well support your main strategy which could just be a buy-to-let portfolio whatever it whatever it could be so yeah 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 and and, you know you're sort of touching on it beautifully there in terms of the, the the considerations the importance of um the whole objective to this process the process is to drive value through it people can get very obsessed in, from my experience, my side of the fence. I see them getting very obsessed with strategy and with process. Well, don't get fixed on one strategy. If it doesn't work this way, find another way to do it or work with somebody else who can help you to find another way to do it and just continue to keep the momentum of driving value through the process. Sure. And then at some point you'll unlock that value You'll unlock the latent value that's in the site because it's in there, mm. but you've just got to find a way to liberate it, as you said. You know, and that's the latent value. As a, you know, it's almost a, the planning is the chemical reaction that releases the heat that okay. creates the, the, that drives, drives the value. And, the, and once you do that, then you'll see the profit, then you'll see the returns. But, mm. you know, you'll, you'll find that manifested. Um, in different ways, as you go through the planning process, you may come across uh, resistance, blockages, objections, um, and you then have to make a decision. Your planning team needs to make a decision with you as to whether or not you stand and fight, um, and you be- you almost become a little bit more legal about it. Well, you can't do this, you can't do that, and that might be the right way in some cases, but in some cases you need to stand back. And you need to, uh, I've got two favorite phrases at the moment, you know, wind your neck in or give your head a wobble. You may have to do both. You might get very, very angry and frustrated with a with planning team. Well, you've got to carry on working with them and they're decision makers. Yeah. So um, wind your neck in a bit sometimes. And also give your head a wobble because mm-hmm. it might be that the path of least resistance is down this way. And it might be... Uh, best to just release that value maybe not so much value as you wanted to release in the first place but going through legal arguments Mm. is not always the best way sometimes Mm. it works but you know if you think that you know you might win either on appeal or in the short term or bringing in a a barrister to argue a legal point for you and trying to be clever Mm. sometimes you just got to be commercial about it and think well actually is it better to go that way and try to be pragmatic about things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, coming at this subject matter from a developer's perspective, as mm. uh, we have, um, you know, buying a, a planning game, you, mm. I, I've seen I've seen a tendency over the years that the, you know, the parties involved, it's almost like the, the route of least resistance to get that. Mm. And sometimes that can be, um let's say capitulating or agreeing to anything that the um the planning officers so desire yeah where with a little bit of pushback and a little bit of negotiation you know these things might have been 
negotiate a slightly in a different way with a developer's yeah. hat on. Yes. So, yeah. so I think I think you know from a, a planning gain business strategy point of view, I think if you can demonstrate to your uh, your clientele who are ultimately buying these sites from you that you've gone through almost uh, you know a process of um, adding value as much as you possibly can. You know, yeah. maybe maybe the officers were looking for an extra wide road going into a site, but, you know, it was just, you know, whatever you want, you can have opposed to, can we negotiate something slightly more traditional? Yes. Yeah. That's going to cost less for the potential buyer of this planning gain opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can demonstrate those sort of approaches to, um, to seeking planning permission, I think it's an advantage because the, the buyer will go right. They've ticked all the boxes. You know, if there's a if there's a sill payment, you know, construction um, community infrastructure levy payment to be made, um, you know, could you put you know as part of the process, could you agree maybe a phasing of that? Yeah, I mean, there are also. I mean, there are there are all sorts of reasons why these why, why developers sometimes capitulate, and sometimes it's because they're not in the business of building out. They're in the business of trading sites. Exactly. So either they don't have the mindset, they're not funded to stay in, they're on a bridging finance um, or whatever, and they just need to get out of the deal, quite frankly. And so they'll agree to it. They don't want to take the risk of going to committee, yeah. um, which is also a big risk. So it's easy to just grab the deal. And also, it doesn't. they know it doesn't look perfect. So to the smart developer elsewhere who does build out, I think well, at least we're leaving some extra value in the ta- on the table in any event. So why not? Why not exit at that point? Let's go for Others maybe from set of PD or prior approval schemes, mm-hmm. they sometimes see you know we've got ten parking spaces at the back. Let's just go for ten units. Yeah. Whereas that, and then you end up with like uh, two bedroom units of 150 square meters or <laughs> something like that, and you can sort of carve it down, particularly if it's a town centre use. Yeah. But. They either don't know the system, they don't know how to use traffic and parking and highways consultants, or um, they just see that that's the easiest, low-cost way of getting something, bung it into auction and and being able to sell it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so the fundamentals of this, this strategy, yeah. again, sourcing, securing, Adding value and exit, define that exit, I think yeah. is massively, massively important. And, you know, people that do it well do very well. Um, and, and I think that's uh, – but one of the fundamentals of it, you're, you're playing in the planning um, arena. So seek great planning advice. And mm-hmm. on that note, David, I think you've got some – or a special offer for the the listeners at the moment. Yeah, um, more than happy to give up an hour of my time. No, f- no charge. Um, there's no fee involved. Um, so the offer is of uh, you know a, a one hour free consultation with me. Usually best to do so. Having to do so in general terms, but usually best to do so if you've got a an, act, an actual site so we can look at uh, and we can work on together. Um, and the best way to get in contact with me to learn more about that um, that offer is by email. Uh, at david at drkplanning.co.uk, david at drkplanning.co.uk, or you can find me on LinkedIn uh, through David Kemp or through DRK Planning. Connect with us, find out more. Um, we've also got a, spa- a smashing website, which has lots of information on there as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, look forward to hearing from you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, David does a great job, and he's, he's worked with um, our development company over the last gosh, seven, eight years now yeah, and, yeah. and done a cracking job. And I thank you for all that. So well, it's, uh, it's, it's been, been a pleasure. It's been yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. So, Hey, look, what's next? So we've, we've kind of dealt with the, uh, the planning game business. I think we've, uh, we've pulled that apart and hopefully given some great nuggets to the, the listeners, yeah. uh, or at least, you know, incentivize them to kind of reach out to us as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is great. But, um, I guess, I guess, sadly, we've we have got a final episode that's coming up of our five-part series, the the planning podcast, and it's episode five, um, which you'll be able to hear next. So the the subject matter of that episode is uh, planning pitfalls and things to watch out for. So that's going to be quite an interesting one to to debate uh, the next time we uh, we talk, David. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then. 
I think that the key is, you know, that our experience uh, shows that it's not it's not all um, uh, sweetness and light and roses. You know, there is risk in it, yeah. um, and we wouldn't be doing our job. We wouldn't be serving you if we didn't uh, paint a more realistic picture. There are a lot of people out there who only present one side of it, yeah. uh, and they're not doing you justice. No, no, absolutely. And you, you know, the things that go well, uh, we all, we all love to hear about. But equally, we learn so much from the things that don't go so well. So I think, you know, with that in mind, I think it's really important. Episode five is going to be, you know, a great, great listen in terms of, you know, just watching out and covering that base. And it could like potentially save you thousands of pounds. It's not just that, but it also preserves relationships and sometimes makes it easier to do a deal with people second time around. Because if you've helped to save them money, because you know if you've watched out for those pitfalls and you've you've helped them through it or you've helped them around it even you might have even said you know what i don't think it it works because this has come up or that's come up um they are they're gonna love you they're gonna they're gonna be a much easier prospect to do a deal with they're gonna be actually itching to do the next deal with you because they've built up that anticipation they're ready to go and you go i'm sorry it's just it's not gonna work yeah well let's find another one to do I've had that situation. No, you have. We were talking offline about it. Yep. Um, and that comes back to what we were talking about before. It's relationships, isn't it? Very it's much so. Relationships, yeah. Very much so. David, thank you very much. That's been uh, very enlightening. And uh, thank you for joining me on the uh, the podcast today. Enjoyable as always. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. No problem. So you've been listening to the Planning Podcast. Nigel Green here from Equa Academy with my esteemed podcast partner, Mr. David Kemp from DRK Planning. Thank you very much and see you again. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.